Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Weekends. I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazdy Lambray, and I'm joined, man, by the greatest white American in the history of the <laughs> oh, Pacific <on>. Northwest. <laughs> ben Golliver of the Washington Post was cracking with you, man. Not too much. I got to call you out, man. We're taping this on a Thursday. When do you start your weekends? I mean, how many days do you need <laughs> off so that you can clear your schedule, probably partying in Miami and God knows where else? First of all, I was working in Miami. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I was working after this discussion. We're going to air two interviews. I talked to Alonzo Mourning and I talked to Gary Payton. At Art Basel, took in a lot of great artwork. NBA did amazing work, installations over there. Because, you know, the NBA is culture. So first, that's one. I was in Miami getting that job done. Okay, okay. so please put some respect on the, the name of my work, Ben Golliver. <laughs> well, that's what people always say about Art Basel. Such a serious working environment <laughs> where no one's having any fun whatsoever. Yeah, I hear that all the time, Was. <laughs> Oh, man. Art Basel ain't got nothing on the Sloan Analytics Conference, Ben, which, of course, is another big meeting ground for NBA people. But, yo, man, we don't do the prospects and the future, blah, blah, blah stuff. We don't do that here on weekends, generally speaking. But when I'm talking to you, I do want to talk about that stuff because... You're legitimately excited about, you legitimately get me excited about these guys and you are so deep into the weeds of all of this. And of course, everybody's going to remember your memorable appearance here on this very show where you were, you know, let's face it, you were evangelizing about the last white hope, Chet Holmgren. You was up here preaching, literally preaching the gospel of Chet Holmgren and then I'm on your Instagram, this is months ago, when one Victor Wembenyama had a game. I'm thinking this was Nike Hoop Summit, right? 
Wembenyama came to uh, Henderson, Nevada for like a two-game setup. You know, they played him against uh, the G League Ignite and Scoot Henderson. It was like a go. classic made-for-TV, made-for-NBA scouts. So it wasn't even like an event. It was just like, no, just come, just come to <laughs> just come to America and let's do this. Yeah, it was not quite like our Basel. It was more like the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, honestly, <laughs> than our Basel. I mean, if you're talking about who was actually there, because they were selling tickets for it. But I don't think that Victor Wembanyama was like a household name for the mm. fans yet. So pretty much the only people in attendance were like NBA executive scouts and then just like every media member you could imagine. But like a guy like Sam Presti, Oklahoma City Thunder GM. I mean, he's sitting courtside like at the <laughs> arena like an hour early. I mean, you've got like <laughs> the San Antonio the San Antonio Spurs executives are like buddy buddy with Victor's coach, you know, trying to like, you know, form the rapport just in case they get lucky. And like not coincidentally, when we're talking right now, the Spurs are on an 11 game losing streak, haven't won a game in a month, you know, so again, right on schedule for what their plans are. But it was like a summit for all the basketball dorks, mm. for people who want to see what the future of the NBA yep, could be. And even. Even I'm willing to admit, was you know, Chet didn't bring him out like that. All right, mm-hmm. Chet got me excited, but yeah. Victor has everybody exhilarated in a way that I have never seen since covering the NBA in 2007. Whether it's Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. whether it's Anthony Davis, we've seen some big time teenage prospects come up. Victor's on a different level, man. He's he just a, is. He's on a different plane. I, and you know, I made some jokes about Chet Holmgren, but I do want to know how you came to find because look. My natural inclination when the frenzy is happening, you know, just as a jaded, cynical New Yorker is to just be like, come on, give me a break, guys. That's just my natural thing. Like, inside of me, I want to zig or I want to zag against this Wembenyama thing. But then stuff started happening. I was like, no, I can't. I literally, I literally cannot do this. How did you yourself find religion on this cat? Well, you know, first of all, I'm kind of just a weirdo. And when it comes to physiques, anytime you see a physique that's different that you've never seen before, it like makes you stop. And that was part of the deal with Chet, right? Because everyone wants to screen this guy is so skinny. And it's like, all right, well, how is he having so much success playing basketball when he is this skinny? I mean, there's got to be something else going on. So it just makes you dig in. And let's just be honest, when it comes to Victor's physique, man, you could be the most casual of casual, the biggest hater imaginable when you see a guy who's seven foot four and has to duck his head down to walk through a metal detector to get into the building because otherwise this eight foot metal detector is probably going to hit him on the forehead. You know you're dealing with something different. I mean, he's got the longest feet I've ever seen. I mean, it was something like size 20.5 off the charts. Nike doesn't even sell his shoe size on their website, right? I mean, not to be even, you know, more like kind of dialed in about it. The longest toes of any player I've ever seen in my entire life. He's doing all these like barefoot stretches before the game, like kind of like <laughs> karate kid type, you know, core exercises. And I mean, he's it's just, just different. wild. No, he's different. And he was juggling tennis balls and a tennis ball looks like a ping pong ball in his hand, you know? So he's just, everything is stretched out. It's like everything you love about Kevin Durant just stretched out even more. I mean, he could practically dunk without jumping. You know, he was doing windmill dunks with his feet, like maybe two inches off the ground. And so you're thinking, all right, well, this guy is going to be like an interior presence. But then he takes you out to the three-point line. He wants to spend all day long gunning three-pointers like a seven-foot-four J.R. Smith, man. He's, you know, people want to ask, does he have the dog? 
This guy has the dog. I mean, he he wants to be the gunner, the guy who has the ball in his hands late. He wants to create off the dribble. He can do a lot of different things as like a pick and roll big man too, going towards the basket, dunking mm-hmm. in the paint, that kind of stuff. But he's really in his element on the perimeter, ball handling, you know, doing that, those kinds of things. And you just don't expect that from a seven foot four guy. So that's why I say everyone, once you get the chance to watch this guy, is going to come away enamored on some level. Yeah, I think some skeptics, would say the the sort of, you know, he's really light, right? Yep. This idea that he will get pushed around is there, but like to me, he's really young. <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to, you know, uh, make these grand proclamations about how weak he's going to project out to be six and seven years from now, considering his age. I, I think some people would say that, and some people would wonder, like, what's his competition been like? Who's he playing against? Who's he been delivering against? Well, absolutely. In terms of the strength factor, he's really skinny through his legs. Like his legs are really thin. So I'm not worried about him getting pushed around as much as I'm worried about kind of those lower body injuries that sometimes big guys get that just kind of take their careers off track, right? I mean, people forget about Kevin Durant. He had some foot injuries early in his OKC career that I think required multiple surgeries and kept him out for a while. Those are the kinds of things you would worry about, I think, with someone like Victor. But in terms of being pushed around and all that, bro, he'll just play over the top of you. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't even have to be in position on defense to block a shot. All he has to do is just stick his arm out and he'll meet you at the rim. Right. And no one's really going to be able to push him off the ball on the perimeter in the NBA. I mean, everybody can kind of get a shot at this stage. So I'm I'm not worried about the strength stuff as much. He's also a very mature guy and he's very self-confident, speaks perfect English. So he's one of these guys who's coming over as the total package. He's ready to dominate. Now, in terms of his competition, so he's in the French League, not the world's greatest league, but they're not slouches. I mean, when they were mm-hmm. doing the exhibitions against the G League Ignite, which is you know a team that's kind of developmental, trying to bring teenagers into the NBA, it was a really you know even kind of a back and forth game. And obviously, you know Victor was the the big star who kind of pulled them over the top. But they're not like a bunch of bombs, right? But if you look at his stats this year in the French League, he's averaging twenty three points. Nine rebounds, 2.5 assists, 3.1 blocks, and he's playing less than 32 minutes a night, right? So if you put that in per 36, he's averaging 26 and 11, right? And again, he's a teenager and he's a guy who. Against grown men, sorry, that's just like, those are impressive stats if you're doing that against professionals. Even in, look, the French League is not the Spanish ACB, which is the best league in the world outside of the NBA, but it's not, you know, he's not playing in Puerto Rico or something. Correct. And the most important thing is his team is winning and he's sort of like the best player, right? So Mm -hmm. they're right at the top of the standings. I think they might be a half game out of first place as we're talking right now. So this is not just like, hey, we've got this crazy sensation. Just feed him the ball, get him a bunch of numbers to kind of help his draft stock. You know, he's, you know, really exerting himself uh, against the competition over there. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. And, you know, the other aspect that we haven't talked about is he didn't shut it down. Remember LaMelo? How fast did LaMelo shut it down right. in Australia? Right, as soon as he kind of was, yeah, yeah I'm going to be a high, very high lottery pick. Send me back home. I'm done. But right. if it, was, was he in Serbia or what? Austria? Yeah. He was New Zealand. Yeah. He was somewhere ridiculous, though. He was Lithuania, and then he came back, then he went to Australia, played like 10 games. I mean, it was a pandemic you know, situation, so I understand maybe there, that's, that had some influence. But, you know, so many of these young guys who come in, I mean, even a shade and sharp from last year, never even really got to see him play. Uh, Mm -hmm. James Wiseman at Memphis, he ran into some different kind of issues, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times 
where you have these highly ranked guys, they know they've gotten the feedback that they're going to be super high and they shut it down. And Victor has gone the other way and says, I want to play. And not only that, I want to be the leading scorer on one of the best teams in the league. I think scouts really appreciate, you know, his mental makeup and his composure, like I was saying. And you know, he just handled the scrutiny and Henderson so well, man. Everybody was looking at him. The whole NBA universe, there's a lot of pressure in that environment. He flew halfway across the world for this thing. Mm-hmm. And this guy's draining one-legged fallaway three-pointers, turnarounds. He's doing dream shakes. He's blocking shots. I mean, you know, Scoot Henderson, who's the projected number two pick in that class, tried to test him on a dunk and he just wiped him out, you know, completely (laughs) on the defensive end. So uh, I don't know. I I can see why everybody has started this season off with this tanking conversation. Why, you know, a team like San Antonio, you know, things are right on schedule. As Utah, what are you doing? (laughs) Right. People getting mad at Utah for winning because they're like, hey, don't you want this guy for the next 10 or 15 years? Right. I mean, I've even heard from Sacramento Kings fans. I mean, they're on track to break a 16 year playoff drought. And I've heard from a couple of them who are like, yeah, you know, but like, is Sabonis really the guy? Like, we could potentially have Victor here. (laughs) That is great. You know, and because, again, you're keeping your ear to the street of this Wimbenyama stuff. And because I know you, I know you're going to be very meticulous about it. And this, you don't need to. NBA guys, I think it was Paolo Banquero. You know, Bol Bol has finally looked like an NBA player after three years of just like, all right, who is this guy? What is he? He's finally sort of taken shape into, oh, this is what this guy can be. And Banquero's like... Y'all talking about Wimbenyama. What, what about Bol Bol? Look at what he's doing on the ball. Look at how he runs the court. Look at his length. Look at his skill. You know, uh, wh- why is Bol Bol not an incredible comparison to maybe what, you know, v- Victor Wimbenyama might could be? <laughs> well, let me say this. I have this philosophy that's called non-comparables. There's going to be certain guys you can't compare mm. other people to. You remember what, like, go back to LaMelo. When he came up, people are like, he passes like Magic Johnson. No, no. He passes the ball. Well, Magic did something completely different. It's insulting to Magic and, you know, disrespectful to Magic, but it's also unfair to LaMelo if you make those comparisons. Now, a player like Bull Bull, he's just been trying to get put on. So I think Paolo is looking at it like, I'm just trying to do my teammate a solid. Nobody talks about the Orlando Magic. Let's get this guy a little bit of buzz. But when you look at those two players, not all unicorns are created equal. Just because Mm. you're big and tall and you want to do everything, it doesn't Mm. mean you have that same package of skills, right? And there's just a fluidity to what Victor does. I think that there is a little bit more of a locked-in, intense persona on the court, Mm. a little bit more of a killer instinct to what he does. With Bull Bull, he looks like a guy who's way over seven feet trying to kind of stumble around there with the ball in his hands, and he still gets it done. I mean, it's remarkable what Bull Bull can do on the court, but, you know, Victor, it's just it's so much smoother. It's so much more effortless. It looks easy, whereas with Bull Bull, it often looks difficult. And I think on the defensive end, people really do challenge Bull. They try to get it to his chest. They try to get him into foul trouble. They just try to take advantage of him inside. And I think Victor, by the time he's Bull Bull's age currently, he's going to be just because of his physique and his uh, his length, his wingspan and those kind of things. He's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate just based off of his body. And the crazy part about saying that, 
I don't even think he necessarily loves to play defense. Like, I think he's out there trying to get 30. Like, that's that's mm. sort of his mentality. So if you have a player who's, like, wired like that, wants to get 30 on offense, but is also has the body to be a defensive player that you're a candidate, now you see why everybody goes so crazy for him. And I look at Bull, and I just don't really see quite either side of those equations, right? Yeah. But, you know, some of these other younger bigs we've seen recently – Evan Mobley, Jaron Jackson Jr., what do we always say about them? It's like, man, I wish these guys could get a bucket. You know, maybe they yeah, could pass a little yeah. bit. And maybe then, they so could that's, shoot. that's where I'm going to go with this, Ben. That's it. I'm, you damn near read my mind because I'm not going to lie. The, the highlight packages that you see on Insta and Twitter when, you know, he's doing all of this beautiful stuff on the perimeter, I say to myself, I'm like, this doesn't look like KD. It doesn't look <laughs> even look like Brandon Ingram is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know how real I think all of this perimeter shot creation is going to translate into the NBA. I don't see him as some guy clear out top of the key. I'm going to break NBA level guys down and, and get and create and generate, excuse me, efficient offense. Are you there? Do you really think he's going to be some type of efficient, lanky, taller ball handling creator at the next level. You really think that I'm telling you, seeing it in person, it was like an arena wide revelation, man. I was sitting next to your guy, Kevin O'Connor, man. I jaw was just dropping. I could hear his jaw drop. I'm telling you, everybody was sitting there looking at these shots like, holy cow. And, and the thing is, he doesn't actually have to create that much separation off the dribble because he's seven he's foot so four right. and his release point, you know, nobody can even really challenge his shots outside of like a Jaron Jackson Jr. and Evan Mobley, maybe a KD. Who else is even going to be able to get a hand up on that? Right. So there are some concerns like his three point percentage this year in the French League hasn't been great. He is a little bit of a gunner, so if he's cold, he could hit. He could miss three or four threes in a row and maybe take you out a little bit of your offense. But when he has it going, man, it's really, really fun, entertaining to watch. And these are not just like random things. It's part of his routine. Before games, that's where he practices his shots. As soon as he gets in the flow, that's what he's trying to go to. You know, He views himself that way. He doesn't want to be a back-to-the-basket big. And I think he's coming up at a time in the NBA where like nobody's going to want him to play that way, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be completely fine with him being a stretch five on the perimeter handling the ball. Now, are you going to see him bring it up and like initiate possessions? Well, probably not regularly, but if he grabs a defensive rebound, he can go with it, man. I'm telling you, he's that fluid. And that's actually one comparison point to Chet where, you know, Chet likes to do that stuff too and get out and transition a little bit. And I think both those guys are going to be comfortable. And I think you just kind of have to, not just you specifically, but in general, we got to get used to it, man. The unicorns are about to take over the NBA, like the real (laughs) ones. You know, these guys are coming. They want the ball in their hands. They want to be as big and long and active as possible. They don't want to be standing in the corner watching somebody else do things. And what's interesting to me is the fans are catching on. So I heard a, a stat this week. Of all the players in the NBA, I'm going to include Wembenyama with these guys. Wembenyama right now ranks sixth in terms of total social media views so far during this NBA season. And he's only played about half as many games as the NBA players have because their schedule is a little bit different over there in France. So you're saying who's generating the most social media views per game in the entire world right now? 
It might be Wembenyama. And he doesn't have like the Lakers fan base behind him, right? He doesn't have the Celtics <laughs> fan base behind him. But he's already up there on that same level as like, you know, with Steph and John Moran and like the NBA's biggest hitters. So to me, that's wild. Because if you rewind three or four years and said, there's going to be some random seven foot four French kid who's going to be able to get as many eyeballs on him, even though he's not in the NBA as the biggest NBA stars, I would have called you a liar, right? I mean, mm. it's just impossible, inconceivable. And yet here we are. And he's still got, you know, I think like four or five more months to play uh, of his current season. So you guys heard it here first from the evangelist himself, Ben Golliver. We are looking at the next Ali Jordan cultural <laughs> figure on. on the global stage in Victor Wembanyama. Y'all better get ready for Victor Mania. This is going to be crazy. No, I'm obviously saying that tongue in cheek, but honestly, man, talking to you get, honestly gets me excited about this kid and what it will mean for our league and our game. I got a question for you, Boss. When you mm. were watching LeBron in high school, yeah, were were you still hating? Or no, were you no, like, no, LeBron. Yeah, so yeah. Le, see, the LeBron thing in high school was different for me because I was a high school athlete, and right. I was like, this is impossible. A, a person You're like, don't make me guard him. <laughs> so you know, in high school, anybody who's six eight is a center. Right. And cannot chew and walk and chew gum at the same time, much less handle the rock, throw no looks, have a 50-inch vert, make three. That This just was not a thing that happened in our sport in high school. So LeBron, I was automatically on board because I was playing against varsity high school athletes every day. And I was like, they don't do this. And like for LeBron to be a junior doing all of that, I was like, this is crazy. This, you know, I'm, a, I'm older, you know, I'm just like, ah, you know, right. as my man Sugats would say, do it in the NBA and then do it again in the playoffs. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, like, I think he understands that burden too. The difference I would draw between the two of them, they both had sky high ceilings, right? Like yes. with LeBron, it was like people were saying he's the next Jordan, you know, he has the Jordan, possibility Jordan magic rolled into one, all of that. Yep. Right. So Victor also obviously has a sky high ceiling. Like if he hits, you know, he could be one of the all time leading scorers in the NBA and he could be one of the best defensive players ever. Mm -hmm. I think the difference between the two is the floor and the floor factor would come from injuries, ability to stay healthy. Sure. When you saw LeBron as a tank at St. Vincent, St. Mary's, you weren't yep. like, oh, I wonder if he's going to no, get like there was foiled. No, he, he, yeah. His body was, his physique was ready for the NBA immediately. Right. And, and that's the difference with Victor. So I think people are as excited almost in terms of what Victor could do in a best case scenario as they were with LeBron. I've heard some very sober, very skeptical scouts be like, holy cow. I mean, this guy's wow. just nuts. Right. But then you also have, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, there's a risk factor with this guy that didn't exist for a player like LeBron. And we saw that with Chet. I mean, look at Chet. Mm -hmm. He goes out there. He's trying to play, uh, you know, the, the he's summer trying to play everything. He's trying to do everything. And, and he ended up getting injured. I don't I don't know that that's a cause, but you know, that's it. No, I just, I but that say was a concern with Chet too. You know what yes, I mean? Like people are like looking at his body and they're saying, all right, well, lower body, is it going to hold and up? And, and, that's a, the and first. a big injury has already happened. Correct. Right. Before he could even play his first game. And it's really the first injury of his life or his career. So it's a little bit scary of like, okay, well, let's hope he can play an 82 game season and, and kind of make this work. So that, that would be the difference that I would draw between LeBron and Victor. But I do think the consensus is Victor is the best overall number one prospect in a class since LeBron. Wow. And when you say that, you're talking 20 years, right? So yeah. that's that's generational that's kind of by definition.
That's amazing. All right, man. I'm I'm hesitantly bought my ticket to the hype train. I'll be monitoring this all year. Obviously, I'll be texting back and forth with you. I got one more question for you real quick. Of course. Where do you want them to land, right? Because so obviously the, the joke was, oh, the Lakers are going to lose their pick and have to give it to the Pelicans. If you put yeah. Zion and Victor next to each other, dude, get out. I mean, that would be absolutely so crazy. So I have two things. I, I don't want to see him in the prairie. Don't want to see him okay. in OKC. Yeah, like y'all, you know, y'all got KD, Russ, Ibaka, Hardy. Give it a rest. <laughs> like, don't want to see him in OKC. Wait, you um, don't want the Monstars combo? Chet no, and Victor? No, no, I don't want to see him in OKC. I don't want to see him in Utah simply because I was annoyed with my media friends for calling Danny Ainge a genius for trading his best players. So I don't want to see him in Utah because I don't want to see Danny Ainge rewarded and then the media just does it even larger and more annoying circle jerk. <laughs> and so realistically, my preferred destination is Detroit. I want to see him in okay. Detroit. I'm a big oh, Cade man. Cunningham guy. No, he hasn't gotten off to the fastest start this year. And I know the injury and all of that, but I would really, really love to see him in Detroit and what they're doing and building down there. So yeah, I'm a Detroit guy. What about you? Well, I, I actually, I like that pick because it would reward Troy Weaver. That dude loves centers, man. That guy collects centers. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't even know, like marbles or stamps or something like that. I mean, he even went out and got Bagley, man. That's how, de- like, you know, he's so into centers. He wants guys like that. So it would be like his best case scenario. And the fit between Cade and Victor would be unreal. The spacing that would exist on that group. I mean, Ivy would be getting, you know, 20 points a game, just walking to the rim for layups, you know, every single night. That would be an uh, amazing fit. And imagine what that could do for that Pistons team, you know, yeah. because Cade's brought a little bit of the excitement back, but I'm not sure it's yeah, this fully would, back. Detroit would be fully back. back they they back. would be like the center of the NBA universe for mm-hmm. that first year. And I, I do just want to tell your audience, man, 2023 is about to be the year of Victor because you're going to have that draft lottery drawing in May where we find out who gets him. You're going to have the draft where I promise you he's going to come out in like Louis Vuitton head to toe. He's going to be stunting all over everyone. I promise. Just wait on it, okay? Run this back in June. I promise you, Oz. Then if he plays Summer League, it's going to be wild. He's going to sell out Summer League. Then they have the FIBA World Cup and France is trying to get him on that FIBA World Cup team, right? And then obviously you're going to go into his rookie year and it's going to be the most anticipated debut since LeBron or maybe Zion, depending on how you look at it. So we're going to be talking Wemby for all of next year. That's my prediction for you. This is this is really, really exciting stuff. Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, thank you as always for coming on. Looking to get more out of this NBA season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money lines to touchdowns to scores to over, under, and yards, whatever you want. It's Friday night. The Bucks are playing at the Dallas Mavericks. The Bucs are an, a two-and-a-half-point underdog. I like the Bucs in that money line. I think they're playing really well. They got Middleton back. Uh, I like that Bucks money line. Plus... FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Maryland. 
Marylanders, make sure you get in on the action also with great offers, boosts, just for you. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code RINGERNBA. That's FanDuel with promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over in select states, first online real money wager only, refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days, restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-88-789-777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringermba. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we got a special treat on this episode for you guys. This past weekend, I was able to attend Art Basel in Miami. It's, you know, it's basically a series of art exhibits and various other events down in Miami every single December. And the NBA, in, in partnership with their partner Michelob, put on an incredible event where they displayed, you know, some great artists. They got some art stuff that they're doing with Michelob, which I think is cool because I think the NBA, more so than pretty much all of the other leagues, have a better way of just connecting different elements of culture, whether it be music, art, what have you, with their athletes and what they do with the game. The NBA just feels like it's more integrated um, with those other segments of our culture. And Art Basel is just an incredible way that the NBA is able to 
display that. And so, yeah, I was able to talk to two NBA legends, Alonzo Mourning, who actually, you know, obviously a former Miami Heat legend, still works for the Miami Heat. I got to chop it up with him about various things, including what he does with the Heat and why he just loves his job so much, just some of his battles in the NBA. And then I got to talk to Gary Payton, another bona fide NBA legend. Really cool interview. Now, I must say, just as a disclaimer, the audio quality is not the same as our normal stuff. I had to take this at the event. It was basically the only way for me to talk to these guys, but it was a dope conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it, but did want to give that disclaimer that the audio is different from what we normally do here on the Ringer NBA feed, but please enjoy my interview with Alonzo Mourning and Gary Payton from our Basil. Ringer NBA show. We're here at Art Basel in Miami. Michelob Ultra NBA activation with the legend, Hall of Famer, All NBA, All Star teams, All Defensive teams, all of that stuff. You a legend, Alonzo Morning. Thanks for coming on the show. What'd you say? I said an Olympic gold medalist as well. <laughs> I forgot about the gold medal. My bad. And, you know, I, when I was doing my little research before this, I saw that FIBA also put you in the Hall of Fame. So you were FIBA Hall of Famer. Man, um, what is, I know, obviously you've lived in Miami for years now. This is not your first Art Basel. What's it like for the NBA to be doing an activation here during this time? Listen, you know, Art Basel is staple in Miami's community. And when you think about the multicultural event of our Basel and how people congregate from, from all over the world here to enjoy the festivities during our Basel. I think it's a, a prime opportunity for the NBA and Michelob and, uh, and so many other brands to come together and create an atmosphere where they would expose individual to their product and I'm happy to be a part of you know the Michelob Ultra team can activation you know because they did it before and now they're bringing it back and I thought it was a really a big hit you know and when you think about the basketball brand I mean we're slowly becoming you know the number one sport in the world to, to have a relationship with a prominent company like Michelob and to be able to produce these team, scan, team cans, I think it's a hit. It really is a hit. And uh, I think it's going to create some amazing momentum. Next week, they're going to start selling it in the arenas and retail, so it's going to be good. Love that. So I got to say for myself, I'm a New York City guy. I know a lot of people, when they think of Miami, the Heat specifically, they might think of D-Wade, but because of my age, to me, when I think of the Heat, I think of you guys. I think of you, obviously, Tim, Vashawn Leonard, P.J. Brown, Pat, of course, and you're still part of the Heat. All these years later, why is it that you think you were, you know, some you came at the same time as Pat, and you've been here throughout the years, the Shaq years, all of that stuff. What do you think it is about the Heat that keeps you guys so close-knit? Well, it's the culture, man. <laughs> it really is. It's like a fraternity. And, you know, when you think about when Pat came here in 95, the first thing he did is he went and got me. 
because he felt that I could contribute to what he was trying to build. He told me what he was trying to do, and I bought into it. I drank the Kool-Aid. And we started the process, you know, and we built this championship culture. And, you know, and we attracted other prominent athletes from around the league, and everybody wanted to be a part of it. We created some momentum. We started winning. And we put the league on notice. And then we, we you know, it was easy to, to sell Miami. You just put it on the hook and cast it out. You know, no state tax, beautiful weather, beautiful people, great food, everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, once we put that on the hook, you know, and created a championship winning atmosphere, players wanted to come. So I want to ask you about the culture because a lot of people, you know, hashtag heat culture, a lot of people who aren't Miami supporters can roll their eyes sometimes at it. But, like, what does it mean? What 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 does culture mean in your mind as far as the kind of people it's going to attract and why they might excel in a Miami heat culture? I think it's consistent, created, well-thought-out habits that resonates throughout everyone that's a part of the organization. So it's not just coming from one person, it's coming from everybody. So when you hear it enough for everybody, it's just like, everywhere you go in the organization, it's like, wow, this is the culture. Because nobody's speaking a different language. Everybody's speaking the same language. And then, for those that don't want to buy into it, they don't last long. So you come in, you be a part of the culture, and it's a it's a positive and impactful culture because players have come here and totally changed their careers. They've changed their bodies physically. They they benefited from the economics of the game because they bought into the culture and they they've gotten their bodies in great shape. They become a part of winning teams and good things have evolved from it. You know so. I don't think anybody bad can say anything bad about it because there's so many players that have become advocates of it because they've come here and good things have happened for them, you know? I want to ask you because you could be doing anything that you want, literally, right? Like, you've been very successful in the game. Obviously, all the accolades and stuff that comes with it. You could be doing anything you wanted with your life. What is it that keeps you motivated and still wanting to be a part of the game, specifically on the team aspect. I've got a wealth, I've got a wealth of knowledge that I attained through experience and some amazing coaches. So whatever I can do to contribute back to players, give back to the game, so they can take that take that knowledge or that influence with them to help them take a different approach to their game and their life because I know that they're going to share that with somebody else then that's my reward it's very fulfilling so not only am I sharing it with my kids you know my two sons you know but I want to share that same information and knowledge with the younger players coming in so being an ambassador for the team and vice president and everything you know is it's a pretty special feeling. And knowing that I contributed to the game at a high level and I'm a, I'm a part of the Hall of Fame and part of the history of the game, 
you know, I, I still feel like I got a lot to share. I don't want to hoard those blessings for myself. You know, I want to share them with the, with the younger generation. So, I mentioned to you before that I'm from New York, and obviously you guys had those legendary playoff battles, literally battles sometimes, where it was, you know, it came the fisticuffs at certain points. What do you remember about those battles with, you know, Jeff Van Gundy and Pat and, and all of those guys back when you guys were in your heyday, and it was literally like a blood war? Well, you know, what I remember about it is, is that, you know, there was a a very fierce winning attitude. And it was heightened competition. It really was. And, you know, when you think about the game back then, it was a very physical game, you know. So the physicality was entertaining. It wasn't just about shooting a bunch of threes. It was about really getting after it and competing at a high level, not just letting people just waltz in and score easily. We made it difficult. We made it challenging. Now you got these, <laughs> you got these games, man. Where I, I saw mean, somebody scored 140 in regulation yeah. time the other day. <laughs> so it's just a different era, man. Yeah. Different mentality. But listen, the game is in a good place. It's what sells right now. Credit Adam Silver, David Stern did an incredible job. God rest his soul, and the plan to see that he did. And Adams took the torch, revamped it a little bit, and he's expanding the game on a global level. You know. All right, I want to get you out of here on this because the listeners at home they can't see you right now, so but the man looks absolutely amazing. Okay, <laughs> fifty plus, he's looking as. Uh, incredible as ever tell the people what your secret is so i know it's miami you got to compete with these folks but golly what was your secret to this fountain of youth brother listen man god has blessed me with some amazing people in my life so i live a stress-free life i live a plant-based life and i exercise and i pray a lot so that's that's, that's the formula. It. That's the formula. Stress-free, plant-based, exercise, pray up. Zoe, thank you for doing this, man. I really appreciate this. You good, brother? So we had uh, Michelob here in Miami, Art Basel, with the legendary Hall of Famer, NBA champion, Greatest shit talker in the history of the league. Gary Payton, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm good. You know, a lot of people associate you with Seattle, of course, because you spent the bulk of your, your career there. But you obviously had your Miami run, won the championship. What does the city of Miami mean to you? Uh, it was great, you know what I'm saying, to come here and win a championship for two years, you know. I was here for two years, got in a great relationship with Alonzo, Shaq. You know, I came here with Shaq. I got D-Wade when he was only in his second year. Yes. Going into his third year and stuff. And seeing him become the basketball player.
Asbury was. Because coming here in Miami, everybody loves me here, and I love I love being here. You know, I, I, we all love being here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, great city. You know, yeah. Miami's a great city, especially for this event to come here, and then they want me to come and do it. It was it, it was a no brainer. You know, what I'm saying, especially because Miami deserves this, deserves the, the notoriety for the cans to come out and for for the Michelob Ultra, and then add a logo on there, and then they can do it. So, you know, it was great for me to come back here. You know what I think is cool too is that you're still really present around the game, around the league. Obviously, your son won a championship with the Warriors last year. Uh, I just want to talk to you about just that experience because, like, obviously there's playing, but then there's watching your own kid <laughs> pursue a championship. What was that like, man? Especially doing it in the Bay Area where you're from. Yeah, well, give shots out to him today. His day is his 30th birthday. He got oh, a big 30th day. So, he, you know, I just left him yesterday, man. They played the Lakers yesterday. We, we gave him a surprise birthday party. You know, but seeing my son, you know, I'm growing up from Oakland, California, and, and the Warriors are right there. And then he goes back, you know, he follows me to Oregon State, and then he goes and be able to have a chance to play in my hometown, you know. But he's really from Seattle because he was born in Seattle. <laughs> so, you. you know what I'm saying? So, you. you know, to come back and do it on his mom and his, and his dad's home hometown and win a championship and then be a big part of it, yeah. you know, be a big part of the Golden State Warriors and help him do that. It was a good feeling, you know, a good feeling. Yeah, I'm not, I'm really not trying to gas it. Uh, when he came back from his injury, their whole defense changed. And he's he's clearly been a big difference maker on that end of the court. You a defensive player of the year recipient. Do you take any credit for that, GP? Well, you know what, I hope so. A little bit of my jeans came out of me. So, you know, but, you know, for him to be around me all the time and see what I did on the court as a young kid, you would want to expect your, your child to do that. And I think that he takes pride in doing that, you know, stealing the basketball and his athletic ability that he has, dunking on people. I think he he, he, he takes that uh, as a challenge. Mm. For not being six years, for people overlooking him for six years in the pros, and then he gets with a team that, that is right for him and then he has a big time a big time payday this year I think he looks forward to that and I think he's ready to come back and that that DNA is just there I like it because he plays defense and he makes his defense turns into offense yeah so did he did he get you anything special after he signed that check did he did he break did he break that off with anything or no well, you know, I, I don't want nothing. You know me. I, I, I'm, people know me. I, I like to get my own. You know, that's my son's money. That was his thing. I don't think I, I did get a ring. You know what I'm saying? I got one of the big rings that he's going to get on the 30th when he plays Golden nice. State. So our whole family got one of them. I don't really pressure my son for that. You know what I'm saying? I don't need that. that that's his money. Let him do what he wants to do. And But I won't even accept nothing from him. I don't even Love need that. to do that. I mean, I mean, I got my money. I did. I, I do everything I got to do. I'm very successful still. So I'm really good. So what I wanted to ask you is, who are the guys today that get you hyped to watch the league? Who are your favorite dudes that you're like, man, I really, I really admire this guy's game? The one I really admire and I look at him all the time is John Morant. Mm. I look at him all the time. I think he's got that 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 tenacity that I had, you know, where he can go at you. He he ah and he ooh and and he, and he plays tough. You know what I'm saying? He's a tough guy yeah. and he's very excited at the point guard position. You know, Marcus Smart. 
is is is, is a guy that won the wow. defensive player. He, he plays just like me too. So them them are the two young ones. But it's always going to be the one and always like and and he's doing it at, at the age of 37 is LeBron James. You know, mm-hmm. once he can do that and he can stay doing what he's doing at a high level where he is, everybody knows he's about to break Kareem's record in a minute. And and he deserves it. He deserves it for being in the league for 20 years and doing the things he does. And he's keeping it old school. You know, and that's what I like. So everybody wants to know, especially because we do got a lot of fans still in Seattle. Is this thing happening? Like, because we're hearing that it's going to happen. What are you hearing? I know you got the inside track on this, GP. What are you hearing about basketball, the NBA, or rather, finally coming back to Seattle? It's going to come. You know, you guys got to gotta be patient. The NBA has to be patient with it, too. You know the TV deal is coming up. The TV deal is coming up. A lot of the owners don't want to have new teams come in and get gotcha. that money. Get some of the pie. Get, uh, yeah. Some of the pie, especially when they're going to have to give away some of their players. Mm, they're going to have yeah. to have a draft, and they're yeah. going to have to protect some players. So yeah. they don't want to give up everything. So they'll make the teams wait. And, and I think Vegas and Seattle will, will be too good ones, you know, and then somebody in the West is going to have to be move over to the East one team. We don't know who that's going to be, so it is what it is, but it will happen. But I think what happened was when, when, when the Krakens came, the NHL team came, and we built the new arena, that really took it over the top for a lot of people. Yeah. To see that that's a great arena that, that can be around the whole United States, and I think that was, just sold a lot of the owners. It sold a lot of, and so um, Commissioner Adam, Adam Silver. That that's where it's gonna be. Seattle never should have never lost a team anyway. Should've never should have lost. Should have never lost a team anyway. And it's a great sports sports city, a great city. Period. Yes, and beautiful, and, and where you want to live. And I and I think it's, it, it it will happen in the next couple of years. So I want to ask you this last question. Somebody who I know who knows you personally told me that Gary Payton is the most Bay Area dude in the history of the NBA. <laughs> what do you think that means? What what does that mean? To you when you hear that, that you the most Bay dude in the history of the league? I think people are just trying to say that I always mention the Bay. I, I, I let them know I'm from Oakland. That's where I'm from. I, I was born and raised from there. That's where my father raised me. That's how he raised me up. I think Dame Lillard will come second when he went, went to Oakland there for Oakland. <laughs> for sure. You know what I'm saying? But all of us from the Bay, uh, uh, Brian Shaw, uh, Antonio Davis, all of us, uh, J.R. Ryder, who came who was, and, and Jason Kidd, we all from the Bay. But I think they think that I'm I'm more of the street-wise. <laughs> I got more of the streets. I think I, I know all the people on the streets more than I, everybody else know everybody. Sure. I'm more of a street guy, and that's where I grew up. You know what I'm saying? So that's why they say more of a bay. You know, I, I'll be with I'll be with Short. I'll be with uh, I'll be with uh, E40. Of so they, the rapping stuff is my game. You know, gotcha. I'm, I'm that I'm that young, that old young generation. So that's what I think they say more of the bay. GP, man, I just want to thank you because, you know, I'm 35 years old. My first memories of the NBA, you were a big part of it. Been a fan of yours for years. Super dope to see you here at Art Basel with Michelob. This is fire, man. I really appreciate this. I appreciate you all the time, man. You know, I, I like to hear things like that when young guys and, and, and young and women come and say, you know, they looked at me and they got something out of it. I like to see that because that, that makes me feel happy that I did something for somebody's life. And I'm glad I did something for yours. Yeah, you made me get a pair of those gloves, the <laughs> Nikes. I, I, I had my dad walk me to Utica Ave in Brooklyn. I was like, bro, I need these gloves. Yes, sir. So yes, I, sir. I had to get a pair, man. Appreciate you, man. Enjoy the rest of your time, man. Appreciate you, too. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother.
This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.